Welcome to Power Man Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. My name's Ray Heron. Joining me this episode, it is Matthew Day Gillett. Hello. Hey, man. How are you doing? Ah, oh, ticking along quite nicely. Sitting in the garage, uh, looking at my two gorgeous bikes. I say my two gorgeous bikes, the Duke I've been riding for the last three or so weeks, and my MT-07, which I'm still very fond of. Uh, but more about the uh, Duke and the MT-07 later in the episode. Uh, you're off... Uh, <laughs> Pretty much now to check out the uh, the brand new Tenere 700. Yeah, I am. Uh, well, as this episode comes out, I will be on day four of a five day uh, epic adventure around New South Wales. Hopefully, the fires have stopped. Um, that is one worry about the ride. The other worry is um, how am I going to handle riding for five days straight? Um, there's some massive off-road days there, about 450k I think is the biggest one. Um, so that will be next week's episode, all going well. Um, I do have a cunning plan on how I'm going to record everything, so uh, fingers crossed that all comes off and I come back from Australia not crispy. Can't wait to hear that. But a few weeks ago, there was uh, something very big in the world of motorcycling that happened, and of course, we were both riding uh, beaters, uh, then I rode the Duke, uh, and we never really got a chance to, to sit down and talk about Eichmann. Uh, there were an absolute buttload of bikes announced at Eichma, plus a whole lot of new tech, and I thought maybe we could just have a, a quick gloss over some of the big names of bikes that have released new models, uh, and then pick our top five. Sweet as. Yeah, man, there were heaps of cool bikes there. Um, oh, I was pretty excited by a lot of the adventure stuff, but there was some really cool, um, like, hypernakeds uh, making their debut as well. Um, which basically hyper naked seems to be the new uh, the new super bike the new power craze everyone wants to have a naked bike with uh, over 200 horsepower at the rear wheel which seems mental to me oh that uh, that Aston that Aston Martin was a picture in, a, in itself wasn't it yeah picture oh, I wouldn't want to ride one to be honest it looks horribly uncomfortable <laughs> didn't it didn't look comfortable to ride hey but there was some uh, there was some great bikes from MV Augusta the Rush 1000 and the Super Veloce 800 uh, BMW got in there with the S1000 XR Aprilia released a new S uh, RSV4 1100 factory uh, our mates at KTM with the Super Duke and the 390 Adventure. That looks like a bit of you. It does. It's bit like it's dry weight's the same as the wet weight on the rally, um, but it has that near 40 horsepower 390cc single cylinder engine. Um, and it's KTM. Um, it, it looks like it could be a lot of fun on a gravel road. A um, couple that caught my eye in particular, um, Harley Davidson's new like uh, engine platforms, a water-cooled V twin. They debuted two bikes publicly there at, for the first time: the Pan America Adventure bike, which, between you, me, and the Gatepost, I'm really hoping uh, I get to go on the launch of that next year. These bikes are due about 2021. That's your adventure one, right? Yeah, Harley's first adventure bike, the Pan America 1250, I think it is. Um, doesn't actually look in photos. It looks like it's actually reasonably sized as well. And then the big one, the Bronx Street Fighter. Um, so Harley is getting into a proper sporty um, market there. It looks like it's uh, sort of targeted at the Super Duke, um, the MV1000, um, and all those real burly sort of street fighter things. Don't want to say Triumph, but um, they're probably aiming for that whole segment, really, um, with that Harley-Davidson badge and the Bronx name. 
Um, there was a few rumours that it was going to be called the Bare Knuckle, which also would have been cool, but now nah, Bronx Street Fighter. I think Honda, uh, when they released their new bike, um, the R key on their keyboard got stuck uh, because they released the CBR1000RRR Fireblade. Yeah, that actually looks pretty cool too, and it's much needed for Honda, I think, because they brought out their last Fireblade, and basically immediately everyone else brought out their bikes like a couple of weeks later, and Honda was sort of left holding their tears in the tissues because all the other bikes sort of outclassed the previous Fireblade. This one looks like it's a nice sharp edge to it. I'm going to dub it the pirate bike. The CBR 1000R. Who are? Thruxton RS. Yeah, the Triumph Thruxton RS. That looked uh, a bit of me. I would have written that. Yeah, so that's my understanding is there's no longer going to be a base Thruxton. So you're either going to have a Thruxton R or a Thruxton RS. Um, And the RS has uh, lots of blingy tech bits to it and a more powerful engine, which um, nobody will be uh, sort of scoffing at that. More power is always good. Uh, top five, though. Uh, these are the bikes that really got our uh, blood pumping, I think. Top five. And and if if the bike that you heard that was released at ICMA wasn't something we've already mentioned and wasn't in the top five, we want to hear from you. Chuck it down in the comments on the bottom of this uh, episode uh, and let us know because uh, we need to know. If there was a seriously good bike that we missed, we need to know. Uh, but, yeah, the top five bikes uh, that we uh, both agreed on from ICMA 2019. I'm going to kick it off with the Suzuki V-Strom 1050. Yeah, this one was an interesting one. Like, we kind of knew it was coming. Um, there's been a few hints, and just in the lead-up to Eichmann, Suzuki started releasing a few videos on it. They've kind of gone all retro on us, um, styling-wise at least. It looks like a modern DR Big. It, even to me, it looked very reminiscent of what they did with the Katana re-release. There were elements of that in this bike. Yeah, the, the squarish headlights, um, still vertically stacked there's actually two headlights but from afar it looks like it's just one big square unit uh slab signs like lots of angles and stuff a lot of tech though going into it which is good for suzuki they've normally sort of kept these bikes a little bit more reserved um and it looks like the v-strom's really catching up to the rest of the adventure touring crowd with a whole lot like it's got an imu now it's got all sorts of rider raids rider modes um, really cool looking bike. Sticking with the adventure bikes, uh, another really cool looking bike was the Husqvarna Norden 901. Now this bike is going to be taking the another bike on our list and we'll talk about it very shortly. The KTM developed 889.5cc engine uh, and it's going to be matching it in with the uh, 21 inch front and the 18 inch rear plus uh, some new body styling. It's very similar Similar to KTM's, you know, 790 Enduro or 790 Adventure R, but it's it's a Husqvarna with the external uh, crash protection, and it looks outstanding. Uh, Colour schemes, brilliant. The single, you know, mono round headlight, but it's got LEDs and in, integrated in there. Yeah, I was going to say that headlights. What really got me? I've missed round headlights lately. Uh, it seems everyone's going for like the LEDs um, and like weird sort of shapes that look like a superhero mask. Um, specifically those uh, European brands. So it's real nice to see a circular headlight for once. It's also very... um uh, it's very Dakar kind of uh, inspired with that whole uh, kind of uh, raised up front end, the big long front shocks, the raised up front end um, 
almost, and I hate to say it, uh, very Tenere-styled. Yeah, it does, actually, but it looks properly capable as well to carry a whole lot of luggage. Sort of um, all the press photos had uh, it decked out with soft luggage. Um, I freaking love the look of the thing. It looks like it, too, that it has the... um, I haven't really looked too much in detail because Husqvarna have said it's a concept, um, so stuff could change, but it does look like it shares the chassis of the 790 Adventure um, and similar elements like the uh, low-down fuel um, but it's got something what's going on top of the tank there it's it looks like a cell phone holder. That's exactly what it is. So it comes with a LCD TFT full color display, but it also comes with a mount for your cell phone. So whether you've got, you know, Android or, or Apple, there's different um, variations there, but uh, you can essentially double the size of the screen by putting your phone in there and running their software. So it's fully integrated. Uh, I hear that it comes with Bluetooth um, and, and, and like controllable from your, your switch gear and everything like that. An outstanding bike WP suspension of course because you know it's KTM owned um, it's going to be great but I mentioned that engine that engine which is not a common engine you probably may not have heard about that before that 889.5 cc engine produced by KTM now they've produced that for the KTM 890 Duke R which is in our top five the KTM 890 Duke R. It's basically a 790 Duke on steroids. It's Yeah, it's a surprise to be honest that uh, bump in capacity particularly like when the uh, 790 Duke which you currently have in your garage uh, made its debut um, a lot of us in the motoring media sort of sat back and go, alright, so where's the R version? Um, and man, have KTM delivered or what? I, I haven't actually looked into the engine to work out whether they've just done a stroker kit or that it's actually a new bore, bigger bore. I can't I haven't looked into it, and I haven't done my research on that. But uh, yeah, as you said, I've ridden that uh, that 790 Duke uh, for the last three weeks. Uh, outstanding bike, really good bike. A bigger capacity, woo! Yeah, and like, oh, let's um, call out the like. The, if there's one flaw in the uh, the base 790 Duke, it's the fact that it's is that it didn't actually have adjustable suspension, and you kind of ready to race and all that um, motto from KTM, you kind of expected it. And I'm pretty sure the 890 uh, actually delivers on all that and gives you everything you could possibly want. Coming down a little bit in capacity, but uh, definitely not coming down on the cool stakes, Aprilia released the RS660. That is a bit of me. That is cool. And man, like, when was the last time you saw a middleweight, sort of six, around that 650, 660 size sports bike? Like, I'm scratching my head here the last time someone actually brought out something new in that segment. Yeah, I mean, if you're asking for just other examples, oh, obviously the R6, um, but it's not new. I, they released a new one probably, oh, I think it was the start of this year, I saw it in Kiwi Rider, but it's not It's not new in inverted commas. Yeah, and it's, it's like not an all-new platform in that. Um, what Aprilia have done is, um, you know, the uh, the Tuono and the RSV4 1100 with the V4 engine, they've just lopped the front cylinders off that and they've built an engine around those, uh, which is 
really clever. Um, built a chassis and everything, and it's it's going to be a really really fun bike. But they also debuted alongside it, and this is kind of related to it, a naked version of Tuono concept. Which let's face it, like, that would be hella cool. A 660 parallel twin, uh, naked, fun, sporty Aprilia um, might be just what the doctor ordered. Mm. So that's four of our top five uh, from Eichmer. Uh, so I, I said at the start of this episode, lots of bikes. <laughs> lots of bikes have been re- announced this year. Um, but there's one more. And there's one more that it it really got your blood pumping there, Matt, didn't it? It really got you uh, you fizzed up. It did. And it was actually a bit of a surprise to me, to be honest. Um, so uh, you may remember a while back we talked to Mark Hauer from the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. And he tipped us off that there was going to be a new TFC uh, which is Triumph Factory Custom, a new TFC bike making its debut um, later in the year, and that's someone fr- who had basically raised the most money for the DGR was going to get bike number one. That bike, I was thinking, oh, yeah, it'll be a Bonneville finally. We'll finally get a TFC Bonneville. No, it's a Bobber, um, which is Triumph's 1200cc Cruiser, um, well, with a lopped-off end. It's really cool. I thought, uh, limited to just 750 bikes worldwide. Uh, it's oh, it's quite a sexy looking bike, I think. It looks like it's got a hardtail, but it's got a uh, re- adjustable rear shock. It's, it's just a nice, sleek... Oh, I'm just looking at the photo now. I'm getting sidetracked. Union Jack on the tank. Now, if you're, if you're a... If you're a noob like me, you, you hear the bobber name, and you're like, what's a bobber? Like, I know what a... What a um, uh, I know what a chopper is. You know, back in America, they just cut things up, and that's why it was chopped. It was a chopper. But what's a bobber? I just googled it. I give you. I give you. I give you what Wikipedia says. Right, the bobber, originally called the bob job from the 1930s through to the 1990s, is a style of custom motorcycle. The typical construction includes stripping excess bodywork from the motorcycle, removing the front fender and shortening the rear fender, which is bobbed and all superfluous parts removed to reduce weight. Yeah, so basically if you imagine, picture in your head a Triumph Bonneville, it's a real nice, easy to think of design, dual seat, uh, you got a bit of a rack area at the back there. Uh, they've lopped all this stuff off. Um, technically, it's a whole new chassis. The only thing it shares with um, a Bonneville would be that uh, engine, the 1200cc uh, high-torque engine. Uh, speaking of the engine... 87 horsepower at 6,250 RPM and 110 newton of torque from 4,500. Um, so it's it's no slouch. And they're actually a hell of a lot of fun to ride for a cruiser. Um, you can really hustle them. Not that I think you'd really want to hustle one of these too hard because if you bin it, that's one of 750 gone. Uh, Triumph have basically made the frame so that it appears to be a hardtail. Um, hardtail meaning those early motorcycles that didn't have rear suspension. It cleverly looks from side on like there is basically a frame rail that goes from the headstock and it just goes straight down like a triangle to the rear axle, then um, yeah, forward to the engine and up again. It's a really clever bit of tick. A really clever bit of kit. And um, if you're ever behind one of these bobbers on the road, they're a solo seat that looks um, that floats, really. It's um, There's a whole lot of empty space underneath the seat. So the rider's perched up there, and if you're following someone on one of these bikes, 
it looks like the rear wheel is moving up and down to try and smack them on the bottom at times. It's it's quite an entertaining uh, bike to watch. Now, other cool parts. Now, this particular one is coming out with additional an additional 10 horsepower over the other bobbers and more torque across the rev range. Um, they're saying um, it's revving up to 7,500 RPM. Um, and they're going to chuck on some arrow t- titanium mufflers as well from the factory. Yeah, and full Olin's exhaust system as well. Next 30 uh, upside down 43 millimeter forks up front in an RSU with rebound and preload adjustability rear shock. It's the only thing holding the bike back, and it's a feature, not a fault. Uh, nine litre fuel tank. Um, it's definitely a bike that you'll be uh, seen at the cafe, not uh, cruising down the highway. Well, you can cruise down the highway, but every time you see a gas station, you'll want to stop, <laughs> particularly if you want to make use of that extra 10 horsepower. Now, outstanding bike, outstanding list from this year's Eichma Motor Show uh, held in Milan. Running through that list of our top five once again, in no particular order, we're not rating them one to five. We're just saying these are the, our five most exciting bikes. Of course, the Triumph TFC Bobber, the KTM 890 Duke R, the Husqvarna Norden 901, the Aprilia RE660 and the Suzuki V-Strom 1050. Oh, mate. We should probably uh, come back down to reality because if we start focusing all on these bikes again, we'll, um, A, never shut up, and, two, we'll forget uh, all the good stuff that's really going on in our lives. Uh, like, I believe you have a, well, we've already said it, you've got a 790 Duke sitting in your garage. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't caught the episode, it was a couple of weeks ago now. I uh, flew up to Hamilton, met you, Matt, drove over to Dold, uh, who, uh, you know, Ventura, um, and picked up a Duke 790 uh, 790. 790, a Duke 790. I want to say adventure, yeah. but it's not a, it's not an adventure. It's just the Duke 790. Um, you did have an adventure on it, though, didn't I you? I did have an adventure on it. Now, I didn't realise that Ventura, the pack people, you know, packs and racks for your bikes, uh, all of that kit was designed and manufactured in New Zealand. Yeah, it's quite a little uh, awesome little secret there, eh? So we, you picked me up at the airport. We drove to Tirapa. We went to Dold Industries, which is Ventura. You know, it's the factory to pick up the bike. Uh, and we picked up a Duke with a brand spanking new pannier system and top bag. Um, now, the pannier system, it didn't exist before 10 days before we picked up the bike uh pete from kiwi rider dropped it off at ventura and said yeah chuck some panniers and a top bag on it and they said we don't actually do a pannier system for that bike he said well you got 10 days to design one and they literally designed it made it and had it ready for us to pick up um now apparently a lot of people they they don't like ventura because when you say ventura pack system they uh they instantly picture that kind of rack that comes out from you know the pillion seat or the back of the bike and then it's got the big a-frame vertical bar with the platform yeah it looks like a rope. yeah it looks like a rope exactly <laughs> and although you can remove it a lot of people go oh it's a bit ugly i don't like it uh and that's to yeah, be fair i had one of those systems to be fair as well and um yeah i back in the day um as a little bit of background you could buy a separate little handle rack basically so that when you didn't have the rack on you could put a little grab handle on in its place yeah but yeah it was never the idea um i i had one on um i had had one on my vt 250 uh f as well my little honda my first bike and although very handy to chuck a big you know pack on the back uh little bit ugly like i do agree uh ventura have come to the party though over the last few years they've come a long long way so you you're not only restricted to your big 
bag on the back. You can still get that. Uh, they do a couple of different styles, but you can get pannier systems as well. Now, the Duke, obviously not designed with that in mind, like not specifically made to have massive big bags on it. Uh, but Ventura did a, a fantastic job. I'm looking at it now. I'm looking at uh, the the rack that they've manufactured, and it's in um, in low-gloss black. Uh, they've built that to go onto the grab handle on the back of the Duke, so it replaces the grab handle. Uh, so you've got the two panniers, one either side. Now, the right one sticks out a little bit further left than the left one because, of course, with the Duke, you've got the, uh, the exhaust coming up uh, from the rear wheel kind of out where the pannier would be. So you've got the two panniers, one on either side, then the pack rack on the top. Now the pack rack and the pack has been redesigned so you don't have to have that kind of roll bar uh, system. It's a, it's a flat plate uh, you can get, it's not a plate, it's still made of um, you know uh, tube steel or tube aluminium but it's um, instead of the the bag having a pocket that is vertical it has a, a pocket which is underneath the bag which is horizontal and so you slide the bag on and there's no big roll bar over the top does that make it sense does. and uh, i remember checking this out as we picked it up you can also adjust it uh, what is it 50 mil backwards and forwards too it can you can sort of just tailor that weight placement which is a really neat thing so you can have it you can have it facing forwards, um, which is, uh, you know, if you if you don't have a pillion and you want to have that weight uh, further forward, you can have it facing backwards if you do have a pillion want the weight over the back. Uh, and then you've got that that um, adjustment uh, where you can, you can fine-tune it. You can have it on the back, but you can have it a little bit further forward or, you know, on the front a little bit further back. There's a lot of adjustment in there, uh, and it's um, it's all... It's all brilliantly designed, like really well designed. Um, one other thing that they, they somebody said to me, oh, I don't like Ventura because they don't uh, seal their seams and their bags aren't waterproof. Well, there is that, but there are such things as um, internal waterproofed bags, uh, which is what I use. Everything goes in a waterproof bag and then in on the bike. And that way, uh, nothing gets wet and you don't have to leave everything on the bike. You don't have to take all the bags with you. Um, and I actually think that's a better thing than having a fully waterproofed bag and just putting everything on it in it. Yeah, and also those waterproof seams, um, you come to rely on them, but they do degrade over time as well. And after a while, they're no good. Like it's, I've had a few um, jackets with waterproof seams and the seams are always the first thing to go. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, the seams do go and, and, and why replace the entire shell of your bag when you can just get a dry bag on the inside, right? Exactly. So that's what I used. Uh, I didn't actually see any rain. Oh, we saw a little bit of rain from Hamilton over to um, to the Coromandel, but uh, that was more drizzly kind of uh, mist. Uh, otherwise, beautiful riding conditions. Didn't have to test out the waterproofing on my bags at all. But I just wanted to have a quick yarn about Ventura because uh, I, I have been well impressed at the quality of the gear that I had, uh, that I've used, and I, I'm i actually keen to get something for the MT-07 now, because I've been using this uh, Yamaha factory pannier system, um, which is great, but the bags are getting very faded, and they're starting to look very manky, and um, you know, time for a bit of a replacement. So, uh, I, Ventura's back on my list of um, viable 
luggage options for my bike. Yeah, not going to lie. I've been sort of tossing up uh, ever since seeing that rack system, uh, tossing up getting something for the rally as well because, yeah, as I found out the other week uh, going up to the BMW GS rally, um, it's not fun bungee-cording stuff to your bike. (laughs) Having a bag would be bloody nice for me. Um, And just that ability to move the weight forward and back to position it. Um, If they did a pannier system like that KTM for my bike, I'd be all over that uh, with bells on. To be honest, I'd be surprised if they didn't. And if they didn't, you could probably drop uh, old Rosie in there to get it made. Um, One more thing I will say about the top bag. Uh, The top bag that I've got, uh, absolutely outstanding. So the pack that I've got is the Evo 60 pack. Um, And to give you an idea of how big this thing expands out to, I managed to get uh, change clothes, motocross boots, full motocross gear, uh, a laptop, uh, sound recording gear, couple of GoPros, a DSLR camera, all in waterproof bags inside that, and had mountains of room to spare. Then when I did show up to... um, to that beta launch because I actually rode the Duke to the beta launch I had room to chuck my uh, my road cycling jacket and pants in that bag as well I didn't realise you had a laptop with you on that trip <laughs> just you wouldn't have picked it, would you? I had that much gear in that one Ventura top bag, the Evo 60. It was ridiculous. And here's me going, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to fit all this in. You nearly smuggled a baby with you too, didn't you? Yeah, my young fella, he's, uh, what is he, 10 months, a couple of days ago. Uh, he could have fit it in there too. So Ventura should be on your list. If you haven't checked out their latest range of gear, it's, it's a lot more stylish. It's a lot more up-to-date, and it's a lot better than you probably think it used to be uh, so definitely check out Ventura check out our Facebook page facebook.com forward slash powerband podcast for photos of the Ventura kit on the Duke uh, when I get it on the MTO 7 I will post photos of that as well uh, and quickly because time is marching on the Duke now we've both ridden the Duke 790 I've done an 800k road trip on that plus three weeks of commuting around Wellington uh, I think we we talked about it in the first season last year. You'd just ridden it, and I think you said something about it being it felt a little bit plasticky to you. Yeah, it's the one thing I still can't bring myself to like about that KTM Duke is the plastics on it. it honestly, it reminds me of a Tonka truck toy I had as a kid. <laughs> That's about as nice as I can say. Everything else about the bike is utterly fantastic. TFT screen. Awesome engine. Uh, the suspension, even though it's not adjustable, it's perfectly dialed in for the street. Um, and it, man, is it a like? It's just a fun bike to ride. But yeah, the plastics—they just irked me. They rubbed me the wrong way. And like they—they're probably nice, heavy-duty plastics. But yeah, just the orange plus the plastic and the thickness it just made me think Donker Truck I haven't felt that to be fair um, and I remember you saying that you know when I picked up the bike when I first found out I was going to be riding one of these bikes I, I went back and listened to that episode and I remember you saying that and I thought oh yeah okay um, the thing that I when I've looked at these bikes in, in stores and, and I've had closer looks at them before the thing that I thought that I didn't like was the headlight uh, but to be honest I really, really, really like the Duke 790. It's a fantastic bike. Uh, I feel like uh, and the, the Acroprovic exhaust doesn't come factory, does it? No, no. The factory exhaust is quite an interesting looking unit, but um, no, the Acro sounds good though, doesn't it? The Acro sounds erotic. I love it. 
I'm not one for loud exhausts either, but that just, yeah. It's, it's the tone. It's So when you start it up, it does that whole vroom kind of, uh, it just gets your blood pumping. Uh, so I don't have a problem with the plastics. I don't have a problem with the headlight anymore. I really like the electronics. It's got automatic headlights. They turn on for you automatically. Um, so when the, uh, the full-color TFT display, when that flicks to night mode, so you're going through a tunnel or under a dark bridge or something, it'll flick to uh, black background. That's when the headlight turns on. Um, I did not know that. That's fascinating. It's got LED headlights, LEDs all around, in fact. Um, nice and bright. Really like those. Three rider modes. It's got street, uh, it's got uh, sport, and it's got rain. It's uh, got ABS and traction control. Both can be turned off. Um, and it's it can be turned off easily as well. It's not uh, it's not a hard thing. Once you know where in the menu to scroll to, uh, you can even do it without stopping the bike, which is which is quite cool. Really like that bike. Now, I, I my testing ground is the um, the Wainui Amata Hill here in Wellington, and I've done that. I, I worked out I've done that about four hundred times, a minimum of four hundred times on the MTO Seven this year alone. Now, I've, I know that I can do that road. It's an 80k speed limit, and I know that I can do it at 80 kilometers an hour on the MTO7, but it does get the blood pumping. It, it's, it's one of those roads that you're like, well, this shouldn't be an 80k speed limit. Uh, but on the, um, the, the Duke, and I've been told that I really shouldn't compare the Duke with the, um, the MTO7, but I'm going to here. The Duke compared to the MTO7 shows me just how bad the MTO7 suspension really is. <laughs> like people have told me, oh, MTO7s, they're a bit bad, they're a bit pogo-y. And I realize now how bad the MTO7 is because you can do the Wainui Mata Hill on the Duke easily at, at 80 k's an hour, if not more. N- may or may not, cannot confirm whether I've done more. Uh, <laughs> but... It's amazing. It's so good. Now, I put really good tyres on the MT-07. I put those uh, Michelin uh, Road 5s on there, and that improved the bike no end. Uh, you can dip it into corners. You've got the, the, the confidence all the way through that bend. Uh, the, the, the Duke currently has uh, Midas tyres on it. Couldn't tell you the brand, uh, the, the model, uh, but I don't care what tyres are on it because the suspension on it is so good that... It, it makes up for it. You know, you're not worrying about what tire. Have I got the right tires? Have I got the right gear? Am I hitting this with the perfect angle? Because the suspension soaks up everything that you uh, you kind of need to worry about. Does that make sense? Obviously, if you're going too fast into a corner, it's not going to soak that up. Yeah, obviously. And honestly, I think that's one of the biggest surprises. Like, I know we said just before that um, when the bike was initially launched, everyone's like, all right, we're the one with the adjustable suspension. But that suspension is really well dialed in for the street. Yeah, for the street it is. And if and, and even like, so I rode the bike for 800 Ks. And after 800 Ks, my, my, my ass was getting a little bit numb. It is it is not a comfortable seat. I've got to say that. It's all right for, for you know, a 20K commuting trip, it's fine. But for 800 kilometers in one day, it's hard. 
there's no two ways about it. But it has a massive redeeming feature, and that is the sport mode when you get into a place that, like the Rimutaka Hill Road, uh, like the Wainui Mata Hill, like the Gentle Annie, uh, like uh, the Hundalees, or something like that. It is absolutely phenomenal. So it uh, it tightens everything up. It uh, makes the... It's also got an auto blipper and a quick shifter in it, so no need for the clutch. Tightens everything up. It makes um, the throttle response really accurate, and I know now why people call that bike the scalpel, because it is it is clinical. It is off and on. It is dialed in. It's got the blinkers on, and it's it's there for one thing, and that is to race. Yeah, they're a bloody cool piece of kit, really, and yeah, it's almost unfair of me to sort of come down on the plastics, but there's really not really anything else to complain about, is there? When you've got such a good bike, you've got to come down on something, don't you? Yeah, exactly, and hey, like some people will be like, just like you, the plastics won't worry them. Other people will be, oh, the styling, I don't like the styling, I can't look back on it. But at the end of the day, that's what motorcycling is, isn't it? Everyone's got their own sort of niche that they fill. Everyone likes their own sort of thing. You have the MT-07, I have a 250 Honda. Um, and yeah, that for KTM, I think that 790 Duke really did fill a niche that they needed to fill because all their other um, bikes are either a V-twin, um, massive adventure bike, or a single cylinder sort of vibe thing and that motor is particularly oh what a motor it is it's outstanding it is so snappy uh now i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a couple of negatives and this is how petty the negatives are getting because this is how good the bike is i hate them wing mirrors Ooh, why because they look buggish and antennae and plasticky and i don't like them um and they're also no they're kind of awkward i have to move my elbow to see past myself and stuff like that so don't like the wing mirrors um and I don't like sport mode on the road on my normal commute. Bit too much, is it? A bit too uh, aggressive. It's twitchy. It's twitchy and annoying, and you've got to kind of clench your wrist really, really hard to and, and, move, and move your wrist the slightest amount. Otherwise, it, it jerks. It you know kicks in. The throttle just goes. It's too exact. Uh, when you're cruising along in you know thirty k an hour in nose to tail traffic, it's not good. But think about that. I mean, that's how good the bike is. That's how petty I have to be to find a negative about the bike because you wouldn't use sport mode when you're doing your commuting. No, you'd put it in rain mode almost, wouldn't you? You'd put it in the most boring chill out. Put it in rain mode because it's nice and nice and sloppy and cruisy and really good. Um, and and But that's how, that's how deep I had to go to find a, a, a bad thing about that bike. Um, the way that this particular bike in my garage right now is set up with the Acoprovic exhaust, love it. Uh, it's got the Ventura rack system, love it. Uh, put it in rain mode, it cruises into town. It's a little bit thirstier than the MT-07, but it's got a much bigger engine, so that's you know stands to reason. Um, so if you if you if you're humming and harring about a, a KTM Duke 790, go and go and ride one, man. Go and ride one. They're absolutely brilliant bikes. Um, really like. I I don't want it to go. <laughs> I was about to ask you that. Are you going to miss it once you have to give it back? I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss the power. I'm going to miss uh, a lot of things about that bike. Also, comparing it to the MT-07 one more time, the MT-07, I've always said, from from the seat to the pegs, it's just a little bit cramped for my knees, where the, uh, the KTM is much higher. So it's less cramped in the knees. You've also got a higher perspective on things. You're sitting higher. Um, and there was, there was one more thing I was going to say about it. What was it? What was it? Ah, that's what. So the last bike that I that I got to ride for you know a couple of weeks was uh, Suzuki's uh, V-Strom 650. Now I rode that for a week, uh, 
and then I parked it up in my garage and I went back to my MTO 7 and it stayed here for a week unridden. Uh, I've had the KTM 790 for three weeks now and I have ridden the MT-07 once of those three weeks because I had to. <laughs> Says a lot, doesn't it? Does. Says exactly what you need to say. So go out and ride a KTM. We are running out of time in this episode, Matt, so we've got to say a few thank yous. Thank you very much to Kiwi Rider. They're our mates. They do a great job and they get a new magazine out roughly every two weeks. KiwiRider.co.nz uh, Go and check that out because they support us and we support them and they are awesome and uh, we like to think that you think we're awesome too. Thank you very much, Matt. Uh, Onthrottle.co.nz. Looking forward to reading all about that uh, that Tenere 700 launch that you're pretty much away on now. Yeah, yeah, should be good. And I will be putting something up on th- at Onthrottle as soon as I can on uh, first impressions on riding that bike and living with it for nearly a week. And of course, we will be doing it on the podcast as well. Go and like On Throttle on Facebook as well as uh, our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash Powerband Podcast, and you'll see all the photos up there uh, as soon as Matt uh, posts them. That's about us. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, share this podcast with a writing buddy of yours. We'd love you for it because that helps us spread the word about this podcast. Otherwise, uh, leave a comment at the bottom of this so we know that you've listened and if you want to get hold of us you can say anything good feedback is always welcomed good bad or indifferent leave a comment on this whatever player you're listening to us on now or send us an email powerbandpodcast at gmail.com i've been ray i've been matt keep the rubber side down throttle on and we will catch you in seven days time 